Hello, everybody. It's time again for the LJ and Redders AFL podcast. Lucas James Holmes. There's an off-made off, off statement. It was a big week in football, but goodness gracious me, there was a lot happening. Good evening, sir, and it's great to see you. Good evening, David. Evening, ladies and gentlemen. Great to be with you once again. And I know footy's underway down here in Victoria and AFL Sydney going into round two as well. So I look forward to dissecting a few of those later on with you as well. Indeed. Our agenda tonight, um, at the end of the agenda, we'll have a bit of a chat, Wimmera footy and Sydney footy. Um, unfortunately, there's been some cases of race, cases plural of racial abuse or alleged racial abuse. The Jack Crisp situation, I really do want to drill down to Lucas on this one and let him have his say in it because it's a player in his own club. A couple of tribunals, which were interesting, have some great results for Richmond and Carlton. Review of last week's games and then a preview of this week's games. Uh, and of course, it's a it's a massive round in the in the AFL. We'll go into that a little bit later. Lucas, very sadly, once again, racial abuse, and yeah. it gets to be quite frank. It gives me that you know what that this continues to happen. It is an utter disgrace. That was the uh, term I was going to use, and it is disgraceful, David. People doing it online, um, making anonymous accounts with random usernames and no profile photos and things, obviously. Um, so to try not to be tracked, but the AFL Integrity Unit are probing into those at the moment and those cases are to do with uh, Isaac Rankin, obviously now of Adelaide firstly, uh, then Charlie Cameron and both uh, Cameron of Brisbane, excuse me, and then Fremantle's Michael Wolfers and Nathan Wilson. So it's in the hands of the AFL Integrity Unit at the moment and echo your sentiment wholeheartedly. It's disgraceful, David, in this day and age to um, have to to do something like that to people, yet the play, players, yes, they're going to perform and things like that, but they're people below that. Everyone's people, yes, they're just in the spotlight because they're professional athletes. Look, if I, I'm, I'll get on the soapbox just a bit here. It, there's no place for it. These, it it's clear. Um, I remember, Lucas, you'll remember this because I know this was when you were really starting to watch a lot of football like really concentrate on it when the Adam Good situations happen. And Good was not treated well when that happened, to be honest with you. Um, that documentary that came out last year sort of highlighted some things of people and opened their eyes up. I remember people in our own cheer squad at the Giants when that all happened who were critical of it. And I said, how can you be that critical of him? And I, I just, I don't know what these morons and Luddites are doing actually going to the footy. Go and go and sit at home and eat, eat your eat your TV dinners and watch your football and leave us alone. You're not what we want at football. There is no place. There are so many, our game is so entrenched with the with uh, people of Indigenous backgrounds that it, it just upsets me that, that these these men who give their all are being abused because of the colour of their skin. It's a dead set disgrace and. Where, where does it, when does it, where and when does it stop? Can it stop? I, I don't know. It just, it annoys the crap out of me that Australians still do this absolute trash at the footy. Yeah, it's um, it's tough, David. And it, I, I don't think it's, it's interesting because I think there's going to be extended this potentially for as long as we can think of. I think there's always going to be an element there, which is, which isn't great, but I just think it's the truth at the moment. And the issue with this as well, it's all been on social media across the last three or four days. So like they've been vilified on social media. It hasn't been at games or anything like that. So people have reached out through um, messages and things like that, which is which 
when you have a step back, it's great now that fans, media members and all that have access to player and how they sort of go at it with it outside of the football sport and the club's four walls through their social media. But now you're having these, yeah, we're having these issues far too often and far too regularly that um, people are reaching out through social media and vilifying people we've seen, we've seen in the past is because people are dumb enough and they have issues and they put bets on with multis and they don't get enough goals or they don't get enough touches and things like that or it's something like this where they're uh, where they're lashing out because it's the colour of the skin and they haven't performed. It's disgusting. It's disgraceful. And I think um, that's probably where we should leave it before uh, we uh, get any higher on our soapbox. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think we can't. Within the realms of trying to make stay PG or G-rated, yes, yeah. there are other things that I'd actually like to say, but I won't. Um, Lucas, I'm fascinated with this one. This is a really interesting situation. Can you tell me, as a Collingwood fan, what and a football fan, yeah. what what has Jack Crisp done wrong? Yeah, it's it's interesting too, David, because this is not like the aforementioned Jack Ginnivan situation that happened in the preseason. These these Snapchats, videos, photos, whatever you want to refer to them as at their, at their core, happened back in 2018. Um, which I can't wrap up the top of my head if Chris was at the club or not. I don't, I can't recall that off the top of my head. I'll go and have a look in a minute. But um, digging deeper, he was mentioning illicit drugs. He was chatting with young females, it looks like, at that stage, which is interesting because it's come out in the last couple of days as well that Chris has a wife and two young daughters. Um, and they dealt with this, in, according to Chris, in the last couple of years in terms of um, being open and honest about it all. So it's an interesting one. But just as you thought from a Collingwood perspective, with Craig McRae coming in, everything looked to be turning around. And Ginevan, the, the stuff with Ginevan and illicit drugs occurs. And now this things with Chris comes out as well. And, of course, this all leads into the Collingwood-Brisbane game. His former club on the Thursday night, he was held pretty quiet. So it was definitely... And, unsur- and not surprisingly uh, on his mind all through the week, and you can totally understand why. Look, Chris started playing with the Lions in 212. Yeah. He was there from 212 to 14. He's played 191 games in a row, which is in, into the Adam Eze stakes. And if you know your history, you know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah. I, yeah. Who, who leaked the video? This is often my question. This is old news. People grow up. This guy's 29 years old with a missus and a couple of little ones. Yep, I admit that in the past that he's, things haven't been great, but this is five years old. Yeah. I, I just... Do I, do I agree with what he's done? No. Um, and he hasn't been suspended, which I think is a, a good result. I think they've actually handled this really maturely. But I do have some sympathy for the man, to be honest with you. I really do. I I just, these morons that run around posting videos of people, I mean, there's two sides to the story. First of all, if you're out there doing lines or whatever else and popping pills and people take video over, you're really putting yourself up for in, in the modern world. 
But the, I've told you this before on and off this podcast, off air and on air. I don't think I'd like to live in Victoria being an AFL player. Because I don't, that's why players who play in the Northern States enjoy being here because they can live a life of anonymity. It's the same with Melbourne Storm players, Lucas. They 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 play their game and, and don't have to be in the goldfish bowl. Imagine being in Adelaide or Perth. That they're big. You you live halfway between Melbourne and Adelaide, and Adelaide is football central. I mean, you can't do a thing. Um, but you know, it's I do have some sympathy for him. Yeah, and as you said, David, the um, AFL Integrity Unit have concluded their um they concluded their investigation. Um, there's been no penalty in terms of. A financial or games suspended penalty. They've uh, ordered CRISPR to undertake an education program um, and not imposed any further sanctions. So it's a good result um, for for all involved ultimately in terms of the Collingwood Football Club and the AFL. And you're right there, David. Um, it was a matter of who put who leaked these videos because during the investigation, it was um, CRISPR admitted that that he consensually sent the photos. So there's to a degree, nothing wrong with that because they were consensually sent. But it's then, but then it's all it's all down to the person that leaks the videos, and unfortunately, Crisp's involved, so his name comes up again. Yes, um, I, th- I think there's been enough instances of people sexting and so forth. Like it cost the Australian Test cricket captaincy basically his career. Yeah, and if you go back to that one, that wasn't a good situation. Um, in that issue, and um, he should never have been made the Australian Test cricket captain after doing that with an employee. That 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 was a very different situation, um, for which he paid an enormous price. I might add, but honestly, in the modern world, the two things you don't do you don't you don't send uh, you don't get involved in sexting, and you never ever get involved with anybody at work. The least of which is people that work under under in your supervision. It's just things you just don't do. And that's the way the modern world is, I'm afraid, Jimmy. Uh, uh, Louis? Yeah. Dude, there's, so. a, there's, there's a faux pas. New bird will be listening to this. Goodness me, I've got Jimmy. I'm actually sitting here, but I've just done the NRL podcast and I'm typing it. I've called you Jimmy. Jesus Christ. Sorry, yeah, mate. I, I've been called some things in the past, David. That's definitely not one of them. So <laughs> that's not too bad. Very good. And apologies again. And uh, Jimmy was at that Swans... Um, Port Adelaide finish, which was extraordinary. Although the Swans blew that, didn't they? Some fascinating tribunals. Great result for Richmond, although Tom Lynch is out for with a broken foot for a while. And Lynch and Mackay. And Mackay get um has Carlton did a good job there. And the last half second of that instance has saved Mackay's suspension. Let's go. Lynch, Mackay, Rowan, and Day. Over to you, Louis. Yeah, it's uh it's interesting one. As soon as the Mackay incident incident came out, a, a large portion in the media and things like said like that, they should um challenge it straight away because it would be let off, and that's exactly what happened. Um, there's some things in this article here that I'm reading that um, Carlton have taught with their plays if they can't tackle them, um, sort of push with their forearm because there's a greater surface surface area that can affect the kick and things like that. Um, so there's that as well. So Mackay off, um, Lynch, Lynch got off as well, where he was, um, he was charged with rough conduct, David. He um, went into a marking contest with uh, the Western Bulldogs, Alex Keith, um, who ended up with a concussion and was substituted out of the game. But um, Lynch argued the fact that once he couldn't 
uh, he misjudged the flight of the football initially so that he couldn't mark it. And then, and then as a result, uh, changed his body position to brace rather than to bump, um, which, which is an interesting fact in itself. I have to go back and have a look at that one. But unfortunately, it's not all good news for Tigers fans, David, with Lynch facing up to about eight, eight weeks out with a, a fractured foot. So down goes their main goal kicker, unfortunately. And Toby and Kerpus with this uh, operation on a syndesmosis and syndesmosis are not good. Interestingly, Mackay didn't get off. He had his um, charges. He did not get off. He's been reprimanded, I think you'll find, and fined with Mackay. He did not. He was not found not guilty. Lynch had a complete victory, and Mackay is able to play because he was only fined. He he had it downgraded, I think you'll find, is the, is the, that he was not let free. He was not not guilty. Apologies, sorry about that one. Does that sound right? Yeah, I'll have to. I'll go and have a look at this other one because it had the uh, charge sheet on there as well, I believe. So uh, bear with me, and we'll. Uh, I'll come back to that shortly. And Rowan and Day also from Monday. Yeah, from uh, from Monday, David, and surprise, surprise, uh, they're sling tackled um, and things like that. So Rowan's off the ball to. So that didn't make it. That didn't make it any better as well but they both challenged it um as well i'm just trying to find the uh the gradings here rowan suspended for one match after his slang tackle on uh, jaff of hawthorne it was graded careless high contact and medium medium impact and i shall find days right now as well it was rated careless high impact and high contact as well so earning him two weeks but they've both gone both will go to the tribunal to try and get them overturned and from what we've seen, which is very hard to judge because it's been a bit up and down the uh, the grading system and things like that, which I think is fair to say, um, it's going to be. I think it's going to be hard for both of them um, to to be uh, let off in, in this circumstance. Unfortunately for them, a bit hard to read the tribunal at times, my friend. It, it it really is, and I think this is something that I think people in the football community, particularly the educated football community, want one thing in football, and that is consistency consistency, consistency of umpiring decisions and consistency in the tribunal. And I think the umpiring's been all right this year, but the tribunal is is an interesting case. It's a very difficult thing. Uh, it really is. And But sling tackles certainly are, are, are something that they, they definitely frown upon, Louis. Yeah, it's tough. And it's all about duty of care and player safety. And it's... um hard not to at the moment, mate. Especially Rowan's off the ball wasn't a good look. And day two off the back of a four-year extension about this time last week. So uh, it's it's going to be uh, tough to um, see how that all turns out. But Dave, as, we, as we've seen the last couple of weeks, he's an extremely good player. So he'll bounce back, that's for sure. Round four of the AFL uh, was played last weekend. Thursday night, 40, Brisbane 18-8, Collingwood 11-17. And Thereby tells a tale, 26 shots to 28, but Brisbane home comfortably. Carlton, 16-11 over a pretty game, North Melbourne. North Melbourne leading. I watched quite a bit of this game, to be quite honest. I haven't watched much footy this year, but I made a point of watching these two. Carlton, 16-11, North Melbourne, 11-18. Again, shooting cost them. Adelaide, um, uh, uh, 17-9 over Frio, 10-12. And I reckon there'll be some questions being asked about Fremantle's ticker whenever they leave Perth, to be honest with you. The Western Bulldogs, a terrific win for them. The second terrific win in seven days. 12-17 to Richmond's 12-12. We predicted this, both of us. We thought St Kilda would beat the Suns comfortably. They did 17-11, 8-12. St Kilda undefeated. Unbelievable. 
somehow Port Adelaide defeated Sydney 9-12 to 9-10 in a scrapathon at the SCG, and that's going to cost Sydney. My Giants were again respectable. Essendon 11-22, poor shooting, uh, with included a Jake Stringer barrel, and the Giants 11-9. And as predicted, Melbourne 19-12, Belter the Eagles 9-9. When I was first watching this game, Hawthorne were leading Geelong, and then Jeremy Cameron just had a day out. Seven goals for the great man. Geelong 19-13, Hawthorne 6-9, a, a thumping for Geelong. It pretty much shows where Hawthorne are at. Louis, I know you would have watched this. Um, what went right for Brisbane and what went wrong for Collingwood? Well, what, what went right for Brisbane is Charlie Cameron, David. He kicked what, six goals, was outstanding. Uh, Kim Rayner's uh, ex- experiment in the back half won't last any more than two rounds. He kicks four. But for Collingwood, for Collingwood, for me, David, and most people have spoken about it since, they didn't select and recognise Ruckman. Um, yep. Dan, Mc, Dan McStay rucked for the majority. Ash Johnson chipped in, but it was nowhere near good enough. Nowhere near good enough. And Oscar McInerney, 43 hitouts, 18 disposals, a tackle on 11 clearances. And before uh, you and everybody else screams at me, um, why'd you let Brody Grundy go? Um, and we've seen it the last few times and when, when Grundy was at Collingwood, the, the one ruck that gave Grundy issues around the ground because he was accountable around the ground was Oscar McInerney. So maybe it wouldn't have been a five-goal margin, but uh, Grundy hasn't pushed over Oscar McInerney the last few times they've played them. Collingwood's had to make some terribly difficult decisions in the last three years with salary cap issues. I was watching a bloke from North Melbourne the other day looking and kicking left foot goals, thinking, gee, I wonder if Collingwood would like Jaden Stevenson back. Uh, Adam Trelaw, uh, Brody Grundy, these things happen. Unfortunately, that's football. They happen to have let go three very good footballs, I might add. Yeah, and it was inter- interesting in that, in the, at that stage in their careers, too, Stevenson obviously very young, won the Rising Star in his first year and had some off-field issues, started with some off-field issues too at North Melbourne, but under Clarkson, he seemed to uh, regain some of that form. Um, Traw, another one with some injury issues, but at that, at that stage too, he was pivotal uh, to Collingwood's midfield. And at that stage too, it was, was him and Taylor Adams that were really doing the damage um, on the inside of the contest. And two with Grundy at that stage, it's an interesting one. Yes, he was South Australian. There was potentially a look that he was going back to Adelaide um, and to Adelaide rather than Port. But it was a million dollars a year for, what, eight or nine seasons as a key position player, particularly a Ruckman. I don't think it was an overly smart move. And they've had to suck it up, Collingwood. They've, they've paid a large portion of, of Grundy's contract to, uh, to play at Melbourne. But when going back the other way, and obviously not to the extent, they've got a former... Brownlow medalist in who's done an outstanding job in Tom Mitchell in the, in the first month. So, yes, it's not ideal, but um, it's going to be for Collingwood, hopefully, and for everyone involved there, it's going to be short-term pain for, and long-term gain for them. Agreed. Yep. Uh, Carlton were pretty impressive against North. Charlie Kerno is one of the better footballers in the league at the moment. They're playing impressive football, the Blues. Carlton and St Kilda, I was just speaking to Jimmy Newburn. He's going down for that Anzac weekend and he gets Carlton and St Kilda, Richmond and Melbourne and Essendon and Collingwood, Lucas, and Geelong and Sydney. What a weekend that is of football. Yeah, um, that, Geelong, that Geelong-Sydney game too is in Geelong, I understand. It so, is. It's, it's a GMHBA and he's managed to jag tickets. He's going down there with Flacky, actually. Yeah. Uh, That'll be, there's a dangerous combination, James Eubern and Luke Flack. Now, Louis, talk to me. Are there alarm bells running? Are there alarm bells on the southern side of the uh, 
of the Swan River at the moment. I reckon Fremantle are very, very susceptible at the moment. Every time they leave Perth, remember they've got beaten in Perth. They are not playing convincing football. And Adelaide gave them a nice old touch-up. Yeah, they're teetering, aren't they? Um, Justin yes. Longmuir had a, had, had a dream run initially, um, brought them back in the finals and looked pretty solid. But Adelaide, I spoke about them uh, pre-season, David, being the one to watch from outside the eight. But Josh Rochelle, um, forward of the football, Raleigh Philthorpe, Isaac Rankin's been absolutely superb for them. And they've just yes. kept on going, don't they? Taylor Walker chipped in with four goals on the weekend. And uh, Jordan Dawson leading from the front, of course, came from Sydney a couple of years ago. He had 27 disposals, six tackles and five clearances. So uh, things going a little bit strength for strength there at Adelaide. And we'll see, though, if they can uh, hold it together in the long term for Fremantle. Uh, Brayshaw, obviously, outstanding. Still 31 disposals, seven tackles and five clearances. And Khaled Sarong, 28 disposals, seven tackles and 10 clearances. And in that game in particular, David, it was the uncontested possessions that really blew... Uh, uh, Frio apart, that they were underdone there, outmatched 224 to 189 in uncontested possessions because that shows how uh, much spread and run and carry that Adelaide have on the outside at the moment. Well, the Western Bulldogs have responded. They were getting pogoed left, right and centre, especially their head coach, Luke Beveridge. And they've come out in the last two weeks and produced two outstanding performances. What a game of football this was. Richmond 12-12, the Bulldogs 12-17. A five-point win to the Dogs. They will be very, very happy with their last seven or eight days, the Bulldogs, and it will quell some of the doubters out there at the Witten Oval. It will do, David. It was a tale of two or three momentum swings. The Dogs came out firing, six-goal first term, and just as you'd expect Richmond to do, an eight-goal second term, David. But before we get to more of the game, it was, it was interesting at the selection table, wasn't it? Uh, managing Trent Koch. Uh, Cochin, who ended up coming on as a sub, but, but also uh, managing Jack Revolt as well. So, which in hindsight is maybe not the worst call, considering now that you've got Tom Lynch out for about two months. So, Revolt will have to spearhead that Richmond attack, much like he's done his whole career. But to this game specifically, um, Tim English has shown how much he's improved the last couple of seasons, particularly um, they dominated the hitouts 45 to 30. So, plus 15 in the hitouts there uh, for the Western Bulldogs. They're also plus 16. Uh, when it came to the clearances. So dominant around the football, dominant from the middle. And Richmond, as you spoke about before, too, will be missing uh, Toby Nant-Curvis for the foreseeable future, too, with a syndesmosis injury. Um, for more statistics, David, Bailey Dale for the Western Bulldogs, he had 30 disposals and three tackles. Um, Dan Rioli, who's been reborn off halfback the last season, season and a half, 29 disposals, seven tackles and a clearance. And um, my tip for the Brownlow in the preseason, Marcus Bontempelli, 25 disposals, 12 tackles and 11 clearances. And both Norton and Shy Bolton had three goals each. Yes, and I'll talk to you in a little while about the AFL ESPN Brownlow predictor. It's also saying that Marcus Bontempelli's had a very big last couple of games. He is such a skillful player. Louis, uh, we secured to beat the Suns. No surprise there. The Suns can't put two consistent weeks together at any stage. And yeah, worry. And just, yeah, and just quickly on that one, sorry, David, uh, Jared Witts was ruled out with soreness prior to that game, and it looks like he might miss this week too. So uh, Gold Coast went out arguably, arguably a top three ruckman in the last four or five years. 
correct. How the Blazers did Port Adelaide beat Sydney? I mean, we've got that last, the, the Florent uh, kick had gone the last minute after the siren that Ali, Ali punched away with a clever act. And I was actually saying to someone who I was watching with, they could have actually brushed that through for a point because they were two points ahead. They didn't. Um, Sydney will be most concerned. They are in a big slump at the moment. And Port Adelaide, who are under the pump after getting pogoed in the showdown, come across to Sydney when I don't think many people tipped them. And they found a way in that last quarter just a gutsy, backs-to-the-wall performance from a pretty proud bunch of blokes. Yeah, they're a proud club, Port Adelaide, aren't they? But it didn't help uh, Sydney right from the outset, and unfortunately for them, and it's been the uh, headline in most media outlets the last uh, best part of the week now, both Paddy McCartan and Tom McCartan going down with concussions. So we all know that with uh, Paddy McCartan's uh, issues with concussion, he's now had 10 of them. Um, of course, he prematurely retired in 2019 uh, to cope with concussions and had... Uh, Sydney gave him a lifeline, played in their VFL system for a couple of years and then made quite a remarkable return to uh, AFL level and has played well in this last season, season and a bit. So he's been outstanding. Tom McCutton, for me, has gone under the radar. But when your two key defenders go out and David, it makes it a little bit easier, particularly with Port Adelaide having Jeremy Finlayson and Charlie Dixon as your two key forwards. Of course, Dixon, more your... uh, Stand in the square type and Finlayson, as, as you're quite aware of over this time with the Giants, can, up, can get up the ground and beat opponents yep. on the way back. So that didn't help them. Um, but of course, Sydney were right into it right at the end there. Um, of course, Florent had that set shot. He had an outstanding game. He had 33 touches, a goal and two tackles, and probably should have made it two goals. But as you said there earlier, earlier on the line, punching the ball away. Um, and that, that was after Sydney thought they'd got away with it. So Florent was impressive. Chad Warner, for me, almost the best player on the ground. He had 30 disposals, a couple of goals, uh, five tackles and nine clearances. But his gut running, uh, linking into forward 50 and the back 50 was outstanding for me. And for Port, uh, Zach Butters has really come on leaps and bounds. His last uh, sort of six or seven rounds dating back into the back end of 2022, 27 disposals, a goal, two tackles and three clearances. So... Outstanding there for Port to get one away from home and particularly with the last fortnight they've had. Um, and, of course, being at home, I think it's against the Western Bulldogs too. We're looking forward to that game. Yeah, and it gets the noise out of Ken Hingley's back for another seven days as well. Um, Essendon, a solid enough win over the Giants, 13 points. A bit of, That was a very good game of football, open, free-flowing. Uh, Jake Stringer, who remains an enigma, wrapped up in a mystery, uh, a barrel from about 60 that didn't look like missing. He's still not fully fit, but that's another matter. Um, still not sure if everything's all right in the back office there at, at Essendon. I think Sheeds is hanging around when he probably shouldn't be. Um, he should go and enjoy retirement. But they're doing the job, Essendon. They've been quite solid this year, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, they have. Yeah, they haven't um, shot well in front of goals. He's said there, eleven twenty-two, and the game was in the balance for the most part. Essendon were just better inside Ford fifty. Yes, you have yeah. that many more scoring shots, but they were more clinical. The Giants couldn't buy a ground ball, uh, gather inside their forward 50 and pay the price. So, uh, yes, it was close and only was it, what, 12, 13 points in the end. But it, to be brutally honest, David, it should have been a hell of a lot more. And that that is an honest assessment. I think we all tipped that Melbourne would brutalise the West Coast, even though that game was at Optus. They did. Uh, 63 points. They doubled their score. And uh, Petrarca, in particular, having a day out showing his why he's one of the best five players in the league. And then Geelong finished the business on, on Easter Monday. 
They needed to win and they did. And importantly for Geelong, we've actually got some percentage back. Uh, a very good win, 127.45 with Jeremy Cameron turning it on, showing that he's one of the best players in the league right now. Um, you, you would think that if you chose a, 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 your best 18, forget the 22, that he'd be one of your key forwards right now. He's just in supreme touch. And remember, um, had a very good performance in the Brownlow medal last year, and that's very difficult as a key forward. So they were the games last weekend. This weekend, here we go. Thursday night football is, well, it's potentially huge. And, of course, the, before we go any further, Lucas, the gather round, we're playing at a couple of different venues in Adelaide. Um, it's a fascinating concept, one I could, could not agree with more. I think it's a fabulous idea. Yeah, it's great. A little bit of traffic coming through this part of the world I'm living in at the moment being sort of a big link between the two two major cities here. But it's, it's great. I think Adelaide, too, when you, when you look at it from a wider view in terms of um, access to grounds and things like that, yes, there's obviously Melbourne having two uh, world-class facilities there, but as the as the NRL have done, they've brought it to a they've brought it interstate, as it were. Yes, uh, Queensland now have four NRL sides, but I think it's the right move uh, to move it to Adelaide, a central part of the country, too. Perth, when you look at it that way, everyone's going to have to fly in, so I don't think that would be a, a a really logical option for me. Yes, they love it over there, but I just don't think it'll work logistically. Um, so I think Adelaide's um, really an ideal spot for it, David. Thursday night football at the Adelaide over Adelaide playing Carlton. Friday night football, the first game is at Norwood Oval, home of the Norwood Redlegs. Um, some players you probably haven't heard of, Lucas, in particular Gary McIntosh, a, a great Norwood man. That's from Adelaide Gold Coast. That's at 10 past five. Then at 10 past eight, back at the Adelaide Oval, it's Richmond and Sydney. Saturday afternoon, 10 past one up there in the beautiful Adelaide Hills, it's Brisbane and North Melbourne. The Twilight game at 4.10, Essendon and Melbourne, that game's at the Adelaide Oval as part of a doubleheader. That, that great doubleheader, Essendon and Melbourne, followed by Port and the Western Bulldogs. Lucas mentioned Port. What a great afternoon that is at the Adelaide Oval for, for, for viewers. And then another doubleheader on the Sunday, Geelong and West Coast at 10 past one. In the middle of that at Norwood, it's GWS and Hawthorne. And then Collingwood and St Kilda finish the whole thing on Sunday afternoon. Lucas, are you going across to watch that in, in, in on Sunday? Unfortunately not, no. Um, being the first week of footy, we'll have a, a few things to tie up, but looking forward to uh, getting uh, over to Adelaide. Never been to the Adelaide Oval, so looking forward to getting over there at some point. Uh, everybody says it's wonderful. Lucas, Adelaide in great form. Carlton in pretty good form. Who you got here? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll start off matters. Uh, I think uh, the fact that Mackay is playing makes a big difference, and I'll be picking Carlton by 12. Well, this is tough. Mackay is playing, David, but one I failed to mention that came out yesterday, uh, if not the day before, Sam Doherty. Um, Carlton's probably spiritual leader on this, the next uh, you'd, you'd call it medium term with a meniscus injury in his knee, so, so no Sam Doherty, but I still think, yes, Adelaide are at home, but I still think Carlton may just have the firepower um, to get them over the line. Yes, there are uh, Two or three, maybe three or four great matches on this in this round, David. But this could almost be the pick of the bunch. I'll go Carlton, but I don't think there'll be any more than two to three goals in this one. I've been to Norwood Oval in South Australia. I went and watched Norwood and uh, North Adelaide many years ago when Dad was working at a conference in Adelaide. And it's a long, skinny ground and uh, almost wingless from Adelaide and Gold Coast. Look, the only reason I'm picking Freo is because I think the Gold Coast are poor away from home. And Freo have got to win. I think they've got a lot more at stake. They cannot afford to lose against the Suns. Freo by 
15. Yeah, I'll back Frio in too, David. Much like I mentioned last week with the Suns and St Kilda, and I thought it could have been closer, but then obviously you have Jared Witts ruled out late, so that throws everything out the window. Um, the talking Witts may not be there as well again this week, so uh, Frio for me, but I don't think it'll be too uh, adventurous in terms of score or anything like that. Yes, you say that it's quite a narrow ground, so it might ping around a lot, but I think Fremantle will just have a bit too much class. Fremantle for me, yeah, about that three-goal margin. I don't think it'll be... Uh, I think it'll be more of a scrap than it will be uh, open and free-flowing football, unfortunately. Sydney and Richmond with Richmond's injuries, and that is the catalyst here for me. They're both away, obviously, this game, and a, a genuine away game for both. Uh with no great confidence, but with no Lynch and no Nan Curvis, I think that opens up some opportunities for the Swans. I'll pick the Swans by 15 points. I'm going to go the other way. Okay. I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Richmond. When you yeah yes Richmond no Lynch no Nan Curvis, but when you look at Sydney no Tom McCartan, no Paddy McCartan, no either Lance Franklin. So I think that that leaves Joel Amati and Logan McDonald forward of the football. Um, yes, we've seen how uh, clinical McDonald can be, but I just think Richmond, um, particularly with McCart- with um, Paddy McCartan not being there and Tom to a slightly lesser degree, I just still think um, Jack Revolt and Tyler Sompsey can still run a, run a mark forward of the footy. Uh, Richmond, for me, dated by three goals. Brisbane and North Melbourne, uh, look, not, two, a year ago, you would have took Brisbane by 15 goals. North Melbourne's got a lot more ticking than that at the moment. Sheasel's been definitely quite impressive for North Melbourne in his first part of his career. Um, I, However, I think the Brisbane will win, win reasonably comfortably, maybe four to five goals. Um, North will give their absolute all, but they're not quite good. They're not quite there yet. Yeah, they'll hang around North Melbourne, uh, th- maybe two and a half, three quarters, but I just think Brisbane have the firepower and that may just blow it out a little bit, as you suggest there, in the last quarter, quarter and a half. Uh, as again, too much firepower. Cam Rayner outstanding last week. So too Charlie Cameron. Oscar McInerney also really back it up against Todd Goldstein. That may be one to watch in the middle as well. So Brisbane for me, yeah, four or five goals. But I still think North Melbourne, will, uh, they'll make themselves known. That's for sure. They won't die wondering. No, they won't. Essendon and Melbourne's the first game in a double header at the Adelaide Oval. Uh, what a game this is. Both sides in pretty good form. Um, I think I, I have tipped Melbourne on one of my tips to the grand final. I don't think it make it. That's Richmond. I still think Melbourne will. And I think they'll win this game. I think they're just a little bit too good. And I think that they're going to be very hard to beat. I think Melbourne will beat Essendon by 18 points. Yeah, no Sam Wiedemann for Essendon either. Um, key forward going down with concussion, unfortunately, last week in a, in a, in a head clash. So no Sam Wiedemann forward of the footy for Essendon. Um, we'll see if uh, Jake String will be able to... Uh, We'll be able to chain two games together. I don't think that may happen, although he was outstanding. was a six goals four last week as well. So uh, I don't think String will be able to uh, chain two games together. Melbourne, too much firepower. Yes, still no Max Gorn, Grundy, Petrarca. You've got Krishnas Balin pulling the strings there across halfback. Tom McDonald came in and kicked four goals. Ben Brown may come back from a back injury. So then... They've got the luxury of so much depth there at Melbourne, and particularly forward of the football. They'll be too strong for Eston. Five or six goals for me going the way of Melbourne, David. Port Adelaide and Western Bulldogs is a very interesting game. Port Adelaide uh, will be very confident after beating Sydney in Sydney last week. And the Western Bulldogs have been absolutely terrific after a poor start to the season. The last couple of weeks, they've been true. I find this game hard to pick. 
Um, I uh, I think the Western Bulldogs are a dangerous football side. Um, Port Adelaide's at home. I actually think the Dogs will win here by ten points. I I, I think the Dogs would just be a bit good. I I love their their run and carry and their their dash and they've got a lot of really really good midfielders. I think they could expose Port Adelaide a bit here. Yeah, I tend to agree, David. Um, going to be tight again, but with Keith not being there, that may slightly edge Port Adelaide when you look at uh, it would be Dixon and Keith, so they'd be the two that go at it. Um, but I'm still going to uh, go with my gut here and go the Western Bulldogs, as you said there. So much run and carry off the halfback line, particularly Caleb Daniel, who's been a bit up and down the last couple of weeks, but we know how good of a ball user he is. Uh, um, excuse me, Bailey Dale as well. I highlighted him earlier when we spoke, and he's got so much talent through that midfield. Trelaw, Smith, and then through the forward line as well. We'll see if they can get going. Aaron Norton's been impressive. We saw what Jamara did a couple of weeks ago. So the Western Bulldogs, for me, beside the fact there's going to be a, a rabid Port Adelaide crowd there on Saturday night, but looking forward to it, I'll still go the Western Bulldogs by three goals, David. And whoever the draw journeys are, whoever drew up that opportunity for Geelong coming off 0-3 to play first Hawthorne and then West Coast to get them back in some kind of form, they'll, they will belt the West Coast Eagles. Um 50, 60 points, I reckon. And it's quite sorry to say that, but that's the reality. Remember, Geelong's got Sydney the week after it down there at Cadinia. But Geelong will win and win handsomely. Yeah. Um, still the walking wounded as the West Coast Eagles are as well, of course, coming off that uh, brutal dirt, uh, derby for them. So I think that'll be tough. Geelong, as you said, they're working their way back into form. It'd be a, it'd be interesting to watch Mark, Mark Blitzars if he comes up, David. Got a knee into the ribs. Um, in a in a rut contest, which is another uh, story in itself. It's reared its head in the last couple of days. It'll be touch and go with him. But yes, you've got Reece Stanley there to cover him. And we've seen the start of Radicalia play fullback uh, since the start of the season. If they needed to, they could potentially ruck him as well. So they've got options there if, if he can't get up. But I think, as you said, they're Geelong. I don't think it needs any further discussion. Not fun from West Coast. And uh, I like the Giants' chances. They're due for a win. They've been playing reasonable football. They've got Hawthorne at Norwood on Sunday afternoon in the Channel 7 game at 20 past three. The Giants, for me, by 14 points. I don't, they're not, neither side's a great side, but I think the Giants might have just a little bit too much class. Yeah, no, you'd expect there to be no will day for Hawthorne. We spoke about the tribunal hearing upcoming as well in the next day or so. So I'd expect day not to be there. Um, Jesse Hogan's impressed me from a Giants point of view. He was really, he was really good in that in that tight loss dance, and he came up the ground strongly out in front, which um, the Giants have lacked a key for, uh, key forward since Cameron's left. So, be interested to see if Hogan can do that. James Sicily, though, maybe the logical matchup across halfback. He's been racking up the disposals, although you get that with playing playing on from kickouts now, don't you? But Sicily's been good. Um, they've got some nice, nice young uh, quality players, Hawthorne, but I just think I just get, they're not going to make much of a fight in this one. I think the Giants will win by about four goals, David. And then the final game is an absolutely huge class. Let's see how good St Kilda are. Collingwood will be angry, and I mean angry after being beaten last week by Brisbane. St Kilda are undefeated. Um the, the betting line, for me, shows that there's a lot of Collingwood fans out there, which, as well know, is true. Collingwood's $1.44, St Kilda $2.80. That's ridiculous. Um, trying to put my football hat on here, uh, I think that Collingwood's got a couple of weaknesses, one of which was exposed last week. I'm going to pick St Kilda. 
I think St Kilda might get home and really prove to everybody they're fair to come. St Kilda by nine points. I think it'll be a cracking game to finish off Gather Round. And also, Louis, this is the last round of Thursday Night Football. Yeah, this is almost the game of the round, David. I think you look at that Port, you look at that Port Western Bulldogs game, you look at Adelaide and Carlton to a lesser extent now, Richmond and Sydney with injuries. But I think this is right up there. Um, you spoke about it there with their ruck issues that Collingwood now have. 19-year-old Oscar Steen, I don't think he'll play. Um, he's the lone ruck that's healthy at the moment. He was towed up by former Swan Sam Naismith in the VFL a couple of weeks ago now. So I don't think you'll see that. Steen was a um, supplementary pick there right at the end of the preseason, whereas St Kilda, yes, you've got Rowan Marshall through there. So you've got some experience and some talent. Um, Tim Membry's a potential return, uh, although... Ross Lyon has said he's no guarantee to come back in the starting side. That happens two years ago. He walks straight back in. Um, St Kilda will still be without Jack Steele, unfortunately. Um, they'll be him after return next week against Carlton, which could also be another interesting game. And whilst we're on Carlton for two seconds, Sam Walsh uh, comes back in, into the side as well. Blake Akers returning from suspension. So Walsh and Akers in. But uh, to this game specifically, if Collingwood had some some sort of a ruck, short-term ruck fix, which I don't think they have, McStay is a forward who can ruck a little bit. For me, if Mason Cox was, was fully fit, he's a ruck that can go forward and kick some goals. That's how I see him um, personally, and that's exactly how Nathan Buckley saw him as well, mind you. Um, but I just think around the ground, I think Collingwood had a slight advantage. If Jack Steele was there, David, I'd probably tip some killer. But I still think it's going to be an extremely tight game. I'll go Collingwood, but with no comp- no real confidence. I'll go with them by 14 points. On to the unofficial Brownlow Metal leaderboard before we look at uh, just to finish off at Wimmera footy and Sydney footy. There's been a change in the leadership in the ESPN leaderboard. Nick Dacos. So there's two players who've picked up votes every week. They are Nick Dacos from Collingwood and Clayton Oliver. Clayton Oliver from Melbourne, no surprise there. So th- there's a very familiar top 10. You'd listen to these names. One of them's not familiar, but the rest of them have been there and thereabouts for a couple of years. On five votes, Jordan Jawson, Patrick Cripps, the reigning Brownlow medalist, and Marcus Bontempelli. On six votes, Jeremy Cameron, Darcy Parrish, Chad Warner, Jordan Ngoi, Luke Davies, Uniaki. Then on 6.5, Christian Pataka, who's gone 1, 0, 2.5, and 3. Jack Sinclair, St Kilda. On six and a half, then on seven and a half on his own, Clayton Oliver, who's gone 0.5, 2.5, 2.5 and two. And Nick Dacos has, you know, I would think a even money favourite to win the Copeland Trophy right now. He's polled in all four games and he's eight votes, Lucas, and he's been nothing short of superb. Yeah, uh, very, very clinical, very clean around the ground, almost glides around the ground. And we've seen... and. Um, and the talk of him coming out, he was one of the more AFL-ready um, draftees to, cu- to come into the league. Um, just before Nathan Buckley uh, stood aside at Collingwood there in that Queen's birthday fixture that was actually played in Sydney um, during uh, COVID protocols, he said that Dacos would have been picked if he was in Collingwood, on Collingwood's list at that time, and that's it as a 17-year-old. And we all know how good of a football brain into, um, and a player Nathan Buckley was, so that says something. But Dacos last week, Nick Dacos, this is... 38 disposals, two tackles, five clearances, and they're starting to use him around stoppages as well, whereas last year he was um, majority gliding across half-back and just picking up uncontested disposals. But um, And you spoke about 
Clayton Oliver there as well. He had 34 disposals, 10 tackles and 10 clearances there. So uh, two of the better players there so far in the league. Two different players, I feel, as well. Oliver, really tough-nosed, hard on the inside, whereas Dacos can do a bit of both. He can glide across half-back. He can win some football on the inside and with some experience around him as well, which Collingwood have in their midfield with Pendlebury and side bottom. That's a great learning curve for him. Winner of Football League, Lucas experienced his first game last week, Ararat and Stall in the wet over there, Ararat. <laughs> I think Louis said it was, it, was a pretty, it was a pretty ordinary day, wasn't it, from what you said? Yeah, mid-teens, David. And when, and when when it wasn't raining, the wind was howling. So a pretty ordinary day. And, um, of course, that style of football isn't, isn't great on the eye, but still, you've got, still got to be pretty hard-nosed and tough to go in hard at the football. And what was it? Uh, Ararat, who made the grand final last year, won with a nine goals, 19 in the end, just stalls 5-3. So looking forward to getting to a couple of games this week, including um, Minyat Matara will be unfurling their premiership flag from... Uh, 2022, David, they play the Horsham Demons. That's where you'll find me initially there at Minyip. And then also heading back uh, to Coglan Park here in Horsham for the Horsham Saints and Warwick Eagles. So looking forward to uh, those couple of games, both football and netball as well. The football and netball, as you're aware, in this part of the world lineup. So looking forward to a couple of good games of football and netball for the day. Ararat have the week off. It's Dimbula and Nil. Horsham Saints versus the Waraka Eagles. Minyip Matara and Horsham at Minyip. And Stall on the Southern Mallee Giants. That game's in Stall. That's round, the full round one of the Wimmera Football Netball League. Now, the AFL Sydney, um, the uh, Premier Division men's is Manly and Inner West. That game's at Weldon. East Coast and North Shore at Cambridge. Our broadcast game is Pennant Hills and Sydney Uni at Mike Kenny over Lookout. Sam Zickman joining me in commentary. Cannot wait. Zick's just loves commentating at MKO. And then St. George and the University of New South Wales. Uh, that game's at Old Park at Pennhurst. UTS has got the week off. Um, but as I said, our broadcast game, Pennhurst and Sydney. As it turns out, that's just about the match of the round. Either that or St. George and New South Wales Uni. Very good test to Manly. They had a comfortable win first up. In a West or make things difficult for them there. It went well. And that should be a cracking game of football over there at Curl The weather's supposed to turn feral in our part of the world tomorrow and Friday, but Saturday's supposed to be okay. But I can't wait to call Pennant Hills and Sydney Uni Louis in both grades there at Mulcetti bottom, bottom, top and bottom oval on Saturday. Should be a lot of fun. Yeah, looking looking forward to that one as well, David. And as you spoke about with Inner West not having a Premier Division women's side anymore, there's a couple of uh, really important players come across to Sydney Uni. Um, Jasmine Smith across the Sydney Uni rucking as well. So, um, and Amelia Corsley Todd, I believe, going across the Sydney Uni. And you and I were speaking about it um, maybe off air last week. There's a f- fairly familiar place that we both know that's uh, lining up for Pennant Hills in the in the ruck next next weekend, potentially. I will be fascinated to see Rebecca Ives playing in that level of football and to see how she goes and what her skill level's like. She was so dominant in uh, the AFL-HCC at periods of time. When she played rep footy, she even stepped up there. So it'd be great to see Rebecca Rice being tested. I hope I can catch up for five minutes. And, and the whole, hopefully even Nikita Carter might be getting a run in, in the Prem Divs. I'm not sure about that. It'd be great to see Nikita as well. But they're, they're the games on in our local footy. Lou, was there anything else you wanted to discuss before we... Uh, it's been a great podcast tonight. Um, yeah, anything else you wanted to discuss, my friend? Uh, that's about all it from me, David. Just looking forward to a, a competitive weekend of footy. We spoke about three or four games there on the AFL side of things, a lot competitive, and looking forward to some Wimmer and some outstanding games of AFL Sydney football as well. St George and um, UNSW, of course, St George lost a couple of players um, to higher le- to um, that's right higher levels of football in Noah Casalini and Kai Frangle. So that'll be a bit of a 
a challenge for them. But at home at Olds Park, we know how uh, contrasting uh, Henson Park and Olds Park are. So it'll be interesting to see how uh, a little bit of a new look, look side go about it. And before I go, thank you for liking our cycling podcast that Fozzie and I did last night. It was a lot of fun just picking the great man's brain about cycling, particularly with those two huge events in um, central Belgium and northern France. It was great to catch up with him. And that 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 cycling is so fascinating to watch, particularly on the cobblestones. May or may, or may, or may or not have not been up to the early hours of Sunday morning watching Parry Rebay myself, <laughs> David. So uh it was, that was a great weekend for sport masters, some gl- classic cycling. There was a fair bit on, so it was a good weekend. Lucas Holmes, thank you so much for your time. Enjoy your football broadcasting, your first full weekend uh, uh, as um, yeah, looking after a couple of games in the Wimmer League. Hope all goes well. Look forward to seeing you next week. Hey, David, you too. Enjoy your weekend. On behalf of Lucas Holmes, this is David Redden. Fantastic talking football with the great man. Down there is making a career for himself down there with the rumour mail. Make sure you, if you're down that part of the world, you make sure you read his articles. They're great stuff, uh, as always, written with passion and written with intelligence. So on behalf of Lucas, this is David. Take care for now. Bye-bye.